Welcome back to Schaefer's Market Mashup. Shout out Steven Tyler because we are back in the saddle. I've got a new mic. I've got some new hardware. And today we have a new topic that has been the talk of Wall Street for the past year. Uh, And yes, folks, this is a zero DTE episode. And who better to help unpack these crazy popular contracts than friend of the pod and SIBO's own Henry Schwartz. It was nearly a year ago today that I had Henry on to talk about the state of the options industry, and we really only scratched the surface on zero-day options. We're back to finish the job today um, because in the last (laughs) 12 months, this minification of the contracts has exploded. It's a completely different animal from what we all grew up with. He's going to walk me through how we got here, who's driving these trends, and what this can all tell us about the state of the investing world heading into 2024. Jeez. But Henry, how are you? It's good to hear from you. Uh, I'm doing great, Patrick. It's, it's always good to talk to you. And um, you are right. It is the, the talk of the town or talk of the industry. Uh, has been this uh, this zero DTE trading phenomena. So I'm I am happy to dig dig deep into the data with you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I guess we have a belated happy birthday now. I know, is it January first of 1973? Was the SIBO? I believe it was April, uh, middle of April. Oh, Wikipedia let me down. <laughs> should should have learned. But anyway, yeah. a, uh, a happy belated to SIBO, 50th anniversary, that's that's gold, right? I mean, how has the options market grown in both a long and short-term history? And I feel like that's the best way to lead into this topic today. Uh, it's a good point. And, and it's, it's kind of nice because I do a lot of these state of the industry presentations. And this year, the numbers are all really easy to remember, which is it's the 50th year of SIBO. It's also the 50th year of listed options trading uh, in the U.S. because we were the first. Uh, it's also the 50th year of the Black-Scholes-Merton model. Uh, and then when you get to um, things like VIX, it's uh, around 25 years for VIX. And then for the zero-day options, it's uh, w- just over a year um, for zero-day options. So the numbers are nice and round. Um, the you know what we're seeing is is you know we've we've seen incredible growth over the the life of the industry, um, you know especially since uh, really since the COVID period the option volume you know throughout most of the 2010 to 2019 period was around four billion contracts a year it was actually relatively flat and then 2020 and 2021 things just exploded we saw seven and a half billion contracts trade and then nine and then ten and then this year we're we're uh, we got two more months to go and we're on pace for 11.2 billion contracts so another another record year for options and and i will point out uh, something i'm pretty proud of is that the options growth has been a lot steadier than the the growth in in actually stock trading in equity trading that's much more um cyclical and much more um, subject to the whims of, you know, markets going up and markets going down, you know, even though the markets were down in 2022, we still had record option volume then. So, um, you know, we continue to see interesting evolution of the market. We actually, another options exchange launched this year. So that makes 17. And, um, 
you know, SIBO is very proud to have been the, the first one out there. And, um, you know, and then as we get into kind of uh, the zero DTE wave, which really uh, is, is, you know, just over a year old, um, you know, SIBO was kind of first to market for that. Mm-hmm. I think you, so four straight years of record growth, right? That, that's exactly it. Yep. Or it's about to be four. We're not officially there yet. Uh, I mean, that's personally and selfishly, I find that amazing <laughs> because that's when I've started this podcast here with Schaefer's. That's when I've had discussions with SIBO. So it's like we have been. Oh, then you get all the credit. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to get the credit, but. Well, well, I mean, but I'll tell you that, uh, you know, I know I've, I've, I've known Schaefer's for, for years and years, and the big, big boost that we saw in 2020 and 2021 was the retail, the self-directed segment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really, until then, it had been kind of a, an area of the market that was not, just not really seeing a lot of innovation and, and a lot of um, evolution. And, you know, a lot of things came together, not only the, the work from home and the zero interest rates that uh, and kind of the the uh, a lot of cash that we saw during COVID, but also, you know, there's the, the increased efficiency, the lowering of brokerage costs uh, for many retail traders who, who may be down to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all kind of come together. And then, you know, what's I think the most interesting is. Um, that retail flow, you know, really kind of doubled, and you can see that in some of the data sets. There's there's data published by the leading uh, retail brokers, and we can actually see exactly how many contracts uh, some of those brokers traded on a on a monthly basis, and we see their we see their activity uh, exploding between basically 2020 and and now, but um, um, also seeing. Um, the, how this volume has held steady as the markets have kind of gone sideways. Now this year we're having another up year, at least so far, but you know, seeing the trading community, that retail flow is, is stable, right? It's, it's the growth has slowed down, but, uh, but it's still there. And then seeing kind of what, what we see as a whole new uh, wave of trading activity in these short data contracts, the ones people call zero DTE, uh, is just kind of like it's it's just like the, the industry is just firing on all, on all cylinders. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's yeah, I feel very fortunate to be around this industry, especially at its at its peak. But let's have a record scratch moment here, where let's pause and I want you to to point out a couple of times in these last fifty years that have led to this rise of zero DTE. I, I, I can imagine there are a couple, but I want to see what you can, what inflection points you can trace. Well, well, sure. So, I mean, when I started in the business a long time ago, there were basically every third Friday of the month was an expiration and they, the, and really they only listed cycles out like basically three months and then you might have uh, a six month and a, and a one year leap or something. Uh, but that started to get filled in, uh, in 2010, we actually listed every Friday expirations in, in SPX, which is the S&P 500 index, the biggest product in the industry. And so that went from third Fridays to every Friday. And that was in response to, um, to, to customers, both big and small, saying that they, they would like the ability to make shorter duration trades or to be a little bit more specific about 
uh, you know, when this, when a, when a position would expire, because if you think about a hedge, right, if you, you know, a hedge is basically some protection against a, a downside move. Yeah. And if you're specifically concerned about a catalyst, you know, maybe a big economic number or some sort of, you know, an election or something like that, right, you, you would have to buy whatever the first option was that expired after the event that you were concerned about. Um, and basically the, the, the industry, uh, participants said, look, we would like to be able to, to trade closer to what we specifically want to happen. And at the same time, you, you had some other important things happening, which was the automation that had come along. Because in the early 2000s, you basically had these floor markets starting to convert to be either purely electronic or hybrid. And so what we have nowadays out of 17 exchanges, uh, you actually have five that are trading floors with an electronic component. So those are kind of considered hybrid markets. And then you have 12 that are just straight up electronic markets. And the electronification of the industry, execution, quoting, um, kind of the ability to do real-time risk management, this has all made this possible because liquidity providers who are posting quotes, uh, they can only do that when the, the technology and kind of the capacity is very robust. Because if, if you think about it, um, you know, right now out of, we have 17 exchanges and we have, um, about 1.5 million actual individual listed contracts. So if you're if you're a liquidity provider or, or a market maker, and you need to you, you're setting the markets, you need to do it across those 17 exchanges on a million and a half options. Uh, that there's an incredible amount of risk and technology required to do that. In fact, some of the estimates I've heard are that the technology to do that uh, runs about 50 million dollars a year in in spending. So the 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 evolution of the market to handle that kind of just just imagine the quote traffic that you see when the market's moving really fast and and people are basically sending quotes individually to 17 different exchanges across 1.5 million contracts um, you have to have a very very robust kind of technology layer to do that and that's happened at the same time that the these additional expirations have been listed, have been added. So the the specifically for SPX and SPX just kind of tends to lead the market in these things. Um, it is the the biggest index product. It really dominates the space. And and um, even before there were zero day options, uh, because the SPX is a very high dollar um, product compared to you know the average stock is around twenty dollars or less. Um, this index currently is around $4,400, but um, even going back 10 years, it was around $2,000. So um, very high notional value. So it's always a big part of the market. Um, but we filled in the every Friday starting in 2010. So that's you know, 13 mm -hmm. years ago. Um, and then we, we basically just saw the activity continuing to grow in those, you know, those, those one, two, three week Friday contracts as well as the longer dated stuff was you know relatively kind of consistent um you know there's different use cases right like some people want an option to protect against something that could happen next week and other types of traders and portfolio managers are worried about you know a six month uh or a one year um time frame or they're trading their strategy might be very heavily vega based right volatility trading and th that volatility trading you you want longer dated maturities because that's where you get more more vega in the option um so in a way you you've kind of got two different use cases going on at the same time um but then you have some really cool crossover because uh you know if you're a if you're a market maker and you're 
you have a position on in a six month option, you can obviously use the shorter dated contracts as a hedge. So if somebody's buying the six month, but they're selling you, somebody else is selling you the two week option, you know, that becomes a, a you know, a, a good dynamic for liquidity. And then, um, you know, basically as, as that product matured, then in 2016, we, we listed Mondays and Wednesdays. So then all of a sudden you had yes. the ability um, and I, I believe it took a few years, but Spy added those those every Friday weeklies uh, after SBX did. So because they're very similar products, you know, one's a cash settle index option, one is an ETF option, but the the pro, the underlying the underlying SP 500 is the same. Um, so we listed Monday, Wednesdays in 2016, and then all of a sudden, you know, you almost had the ability to trade daily, you had the ability to trade three times a week, and um, those continued to, to see, you know, to pick up market share, pick up market share. And then specifically Tuesdays and Thursdays were added in May of 2022. And um, that was when people started talking about, you know, daily options, zero DTE options. Uh, it really was just basically a fill in of this evolution that had been happening in the, you know, in the industry. And, um, you know, and then these the similar products, Spy, um, Qs, NDX, um, they also started to fill in in a very similar way. So that you know where you are now is um, you have options that uh, that expire every single day, going out about a month um, for you know these these big active products. I, you can really really trace like this minification starting. I guess maybe like in 2005, but like it, there continues to be like decade long progress on that front, really. And it, it really was a, just a perfect storm when you combine that with the volume. But who is who's driving this boat? Like what type of investors are, are driving this progress along? Well, so, I mean, the, the, it's very funny because we get a lot of, you know, people compare the zero DTE wave to maybe the meme stock craze that we saw. Yeah, you know, which in yeah I don't love that, though. Well, it's it, I think it's very different. The meme stock, the meme stock period, you know, there was a, I want to say it was a little bit sketchy. You know, we saw some kind of crazy activity, right? Like everybody mm -hmm. knew these, there were companies that were not really worth anything as a business, but they were, they became targets and everybody was focused on them. And, you know, we saw what happened to GameStop and, and AMC and some of these other um, super, um, you know, super active stocks that were having these insane moves. Um, that was very one-sided flow, you know, and I remember, really clearly you know everybody looking at the open interest in gamestop and you know it was even though it was hundred dollars out of the money it was very large it was very one-sided because uh you know the flow was kind of everybody was following each other a little bit like sheep um the this zero day is is a very different mix of activity so what what we and i think that's why it's been so consistent right for the entire year you know year plus um you know, the activity has, has been very steady. You know, we're, we're looking at about a million and a half contracts a day, almost 50% of the SPX volume on a daily basis. And it's very, very consistent. Uh, and the participants that are the most active, we see, uh, we see about a third of the flow in there is coming from, from true retail brokers. Um, now the, you know, we have as an exchange, we have some visibility into the origin, not, not, we don't know, we don't know everything. Um, but we can see in some cases that, you know, these retail brokers, you know, the, the ones you've heard of um, are sending in an enormous amount of flow 
uh, and a very consistent amount. So that's about a third of it is, is retail. And then about a third of it is actually um, kind of pro tail, uh, you know, people, people, people like me who have been in the business and like to trade and like how these, how these uh, contracts work. And so, you know, they're, they're still customer. And in fact, if you, some of the data that that's published by OCC shows specifically the customer volume, the market maker volume and the firm volume uh, on a, on a, product and so we can see in the these spx if we isolate those zero-day contracts uh it's basically 100 percent customer and 100 percent market maker okay so that's normal you want it to sum up to 200 percent uh because when a customer comes and buys they're usually buying from a market maker and if they sell they're usually selling to a market maker um that's actually kind of different when you look at the longer dated spx it's actually um it, it includes a lot more bank trading a lot more firm activity um so the zero day, this is kind of why I say it's, it's a little bit of a different animal in terms of, um, I think there are people trading exclusively zero day, um, both retail and institutional and prop and hedge funds. Uh, and then there's different funds that, um, and, and participants that, you know, they trade 30 day, they trade 90 day. Uh, you know, they're basically focused in kind of these the longer dated options where the behavior is very different, right? You know, all the assumptions that go into pricing an option, which, you know, you guys teach, um, you have to look at things a little differently when you're talking about one day or, or three hours of, um, of life in a contract. It, and we're about to dive into this here, but there are so many different utilization methods. Uh, but before we go into that, I, I think it's very interesting that given the heavy presence of retail brokerage platforms, that is, I think, helping change the perception of these retail brokerage platforms, which, like you said, were kind of unfairly or fairly, however you want to put it, lumped in with the, the meme stock craze in the overall sketchiness of it this is almost like the the evolution of like no these people know what they're talking about here and they're not really following a trend they're creating this whole new ecosystem really well yeah that's exactly right i think that in you know there there was some pretty irresponsible stuff happening during during the meme stock craze uh some people made made plenty of money i think other people probably got uh got hurt but you know, the one thing we're always talking about when, we go, when I go to conferences and, and seminars, it's like, you know, education has always been a, a real weak point for the options industry. Yes. And what you see is, is you know, quality, responsible education, not get rich quick schemes. But, you know, here's how these contracts, here's, here's how they work. Here's tools that the ability for people to access tools to simulate trades, get into trades, manage trades. Um, there's been kind of an explosion in, in interesting um, tools, whether it's part of a brokerage platform, you know, some of the you know, some of the great ones out there, right? You know, something like Thinkorswim, which is a, you know, I, I use every platform. I'm, I have no no uh, alliance to any one, but I do know there's some great tools out there and great components in some of the brokerage platforms. And then we've also seen some some tools come around that are being built by third parties that let you uh, that let users specifically find trades. Uh, engineer trades, backtest trades and strategies, and even manage the trades, which is, I, I kind of call it a uh, QIS light. So in, in the industry, um, there's this quantitative investing strategies, which is a big, hot area for the last few years. 
um, it's it, every bank has basically put together a QIS team, and it's it's very systematic, automated algorithmic trading uh, with with heavy heavy you know math and back testing, and um, it's basically all automated strategies. We're actually seeing retail customers kind of take advantage of that same approach using some of these tools, and we 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 know we know for a fact that it's resulting in a decent amount of activity. And I think the most exciting part about that is that's very different than kind of speculating and saying, you yeah. know what, I, I feel bullish today. I'm going to buy some calls. Right. It's, it's much more methodical. Like here's my, here's my theory. I'm going to, I'm going to set up a trade to basically put this into action. I'm going to do some homework to make sure that I understand how it has behaved in the past. And then I'm comfortable with this kind of, you know, this kind of profile, uh, and putting some money behind it. Mm -hmm. Look, the first the first kid is you know is the experimental kid. You know he's kind of a screw up sometimes. He's a little r irresponsible and sketchy. And then the second kid, <laughs> aka me, comes out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but is like the more refined and kind of has has a better landscape for it. Um, I don't know. That was just that came off off the top of my head. I, but I mean, it's 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 true. It's um you know there's a lot of you know, we, we kind of joke about like there's certainly some people that made a fortune during the meme stock craze, whether they got lucky or or however you want to frame it. But some of those people, you go into a sideways market or a down market in 2022. And you know what? Buying calls is not going to make you the money that it made you in 2021. And some of those traders do their do the homework, figure out trades that make money in a sideways market, start to understand vertical spreads and um kind of how to maintain and adjust trades. And that's what we're seeing is, is some of those traders have adapted to different market conditions, adapted to new products like the zero day contracts. And, um, and that's where we see the action. Well, that's, that's a perfect transition to what I, I the next question here. It, it, walk me through some of these utilization methods of the zero DTE and, and, and how it's being used in, in all these variety of ways. Uh, sure. So just to back up one step, right? Zero DT options, we, we call them that, or well, people call them that because the bulk of the activity in the contracts is is trading on their final day of uh, of existence, right? So you know the the SPX weeklies, and technically these are all weeklies, even though they're Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they expire into the closing price okay the close of the spx settlement price which is basically the final spx price of the day and um you know what we're seeing you know and and even though these countries are listed several weeks out most of the activity happens that last day and we may see you know we may see 80 90 000 contracts trade in a single contract um on its final day and you know maybe only 20 or thirty thousand contracts traded before that um but the kind of activity we're seeing, so there's some really interesting things. And like I said, the, one of the reasons the volume is so steady is there's there are people that love to buy these options. There are people, and by people, I mean retail traders, but also uh, prop, institutional. Um, I, I was having a meeting with, with um, our strategist, Mandy Zhu, a little while ago, and um, we were talking about some spreads that we'd seen trading, and she said, "Well, you know, if you if you're running a very large long S and P portfolio, then maybe basically taking these kind of you know um, strategic uh, or tactical positions in short short term options fits what you're trying to do, right? If you're mm -hmm. if you're solidly long and the market up one percent, it may 
it may meet your goals to say, you know what, I don't need any further upside today, but what I do want to do is sell some calls, take in some premium, and I'm very comfortable with that kind of risk reward, right? The risk is the market keeps going up, but maybe that fits you because you have a core long. And if the market goes back down, then you're going to have captured this premium. And so um, the, the other things that we're seeing is a lot of complex order activity, right? And SPX, um, SPX is typically very heavy spread trading, right? Vertical spreads, uh, calendar spreads, trades being adjusted and rolled, right? Because it's a hedging tool, right? So if you're a portfolio hedger and you need to buy some puts for, you know, to, to hedge the rest of the year, you know, as time passes and the delta of the options changes or the, or the expiration, you know, the, the, where it's located in terms of a tenor is changing, you're going to roll that trade to another strike, another contract, another expiration. So that's why you see so much spread activity. And typically in SPX, about 70% of the flow is complex orders like that because it was such a, a systematic hedging product. Um, isolating the zero day is a little bit different. We still see uh, a good amount of complex order flow, especially in the morning. And that actually is a lot of the retail trades, which um, like I said, there's, there is a lot of different type of order flow printing, but we do see kind of a, a large swath of the market that involves these premium sellers who basically um, sometimes on a daily basis sell a vertical call spread and a vertical put spread um, to take in some premium, basically basically placing the bet that the market's not going to move too far from from the time that you put the trade on, right? Yeah. So and and but what's interesting and like I said, there's a lot of quantitative approaches to this. There's there's we're seeing a lot of disciplined management of the trades. Okay, so not 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 just that. Okay, we opened up at 4,400, so I'm going to sell the the 44, 20, 30 call spread for two dollars, and maybe the 39, 80, 90 put spread for two dollars. Some of that, but we see trades where people put on a, a simultaneous four-legged condor like that. And then right. they they use very very uh, disciplined stop losses um, strategies basically to say okay well if it does blow through one of my spreads here's where I'm going to liquidate okay I'm not just going to wear the thing until it expires and see what happens um, and and in fact some some traders we know basically the, one of the one of the widgets that I've played with lets you schedule your trades at any interval you want so if you basically kind of pick your risk profile. And then you say, okay, I want to do this every day at at 9:42 and 9:56 and 10:14, and then manage that whole slew of trades over the course of the day. And we've seen we've seen customers compare results, um, and they're 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 happy with the performance. That doesn't mean it always makes money, um, mm -hmm. but it means that they like the way it behaves. Yeah, that's that's insane. <laughs> like. <laughs> It, it really is just a very kind of like almost hard to comprehend. Um, and I, I was reading through one of your walls white paper and I, I saw something that was interesting about how the, the put call ratio is relatively split 50, 50. Can you unpack that a little bit here? I thought that was very interesting. Sure. Yeah. So this is kind of a basic, um, basic feature and and it was one of the very first things that we noticed in the flow so like i said spx traditionally has been a hedging product again in the olden days that meant simply that portfolio managers would come by call by puts um primarily and then some of them would sell calls also right that was 
you know, there was some more nuance to it, but literally, I mean, when I worked at a bank in the, in the 90s, trading an index book, that was what the customers did. They came to us to buy puts because they needed insurance for a downside move. And they came to us and they sold calls because that helps to pay for the puts, right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and you yep. know, most portfolio managers are kind of comfortable picking a, an upside target that they don't mind giving away. And so in that case, when really the majority of the flow is put buyers, uh, you have a put call greater than one, one and a half, right? So, um, you know, three puts trading for every two calls. That's actually about the put call ratio of the SPX if you exclude the zero day, okay? okay. The zero day is incredibly close to, to a one-to-one put call ratio. And that is, that's kind of evidence of the, the use case, which um, involves basically whether people are buyers or sellers, they're doing it kind of symmetrically around the, at the money. So, um, you know, that example I was talking about where, where, you know, and, and we do see this kind of flow, uh, especially in the first couple hours of the day, you know, people selling a vertical put spread and selling vertical call spreads and actually very commonly doing both, right? Um, that's going to give you a put call of one, right? That's that's two puts and two calls. That's your your one, to, you know, your put call of a matching uh, mm-hmm. ratio. And that is... Um, and then what we see kind of over the course of the day is in the ma- the management of this trade, <coughs> customers are generally, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. <coughs> maybe you can edit that out, Patrick. Um, customers are managing the trade, liquidating liquidating trades that um, that are blowing up on them, okay, because markets move, and also taking profits on trades that are going their way. But again, you're having these things trade in pairs in a lot of the, a lot of the time, and so. We see, like when I plot out the put call for the zero day versus the rest of the product, um, it's dramatically different. It's it's very very it's it's as tightly around one to zero, a uh, one to one as it, as it could be. Interesting. Yeah, no, that that, that really was. Um, I'm glad you explained that a little bit. It stood out to me. Mm. Outside of zero DTE, what else are retail traders engaging in with the options market? I mean, the um, you know we continue to see so so there's a lot of interesting things happening in this in the ETF space. So um, you know one of the things I track is the number of products that are hoping, tradable. I was hoping you were going to bring that up. Okay. The the well, it's funny. I was um um the, especially recently, like in the last few weeks. So 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 what I was going to say is so I I track a lot of the growth of listed products okay so for example before covid we had about 4200 listings with options on them that got up to almost 6000 um into 2020 uh, into the beginning of this year so you know 40 something percent growth in the number of products with options on them and then on top of that we're filling in the expirations that's why you have this huge growth in the number of of contracts listed but when you actually go and look at what new products were being added okay usually people think of like well there's ipos and during covid there was SPACs, right there was everybody oh, was all hot yeah. on the SPACs. take, take um, them all away, yeah. yeah i don't know if any of them still uh there's a few that uh that turned into decent stocks most of them did not but um the um hold on a second sorry I too many things ringing the um if you look at the numbers sorry 
if you look at the numbers, the growth in ETF listings outpaced the growth in single stock listings. And the index listing world is very, very uh, flat. Like mm -hmm. I said, SPX is kind of the 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 the, the 900-pound gorilla. And then you also have VIX, which is the, the second most active product. Those are very consistent, um, and those dominate the space. The, so the growth that we've seen in the last couple of years in the ETF world is almost the, the number of ETFs is up 100, over 100%, while the number of stocks is up about 40%. And the, a lot of those ETFs are ETFs using options in them, right? So the, the, the evolution in the ETF world has been basically to make it much easier for ETFs that use option that have embedded optionality, things like a, a defined outcome or a buffer protect fund, right? Where you know, you, you, you and I can go buy SPY if we think that we want to be long the market, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's fine. But you can actually, uh, what's come about lately is if you say, well, I like SPY, but I also don't want to lose sleep at night in case there's some sort of, you know, terrible event in the world. And so you can buy a SPY fund that has an embedded, uh, they call it a downside buffer. It's a put. It's a put that the ETF um actually buys and holds in conjunction with the the underlying with the stocks and so um what's cool is the retail world some of the retail world that doesn't even trade options is effectively trading options through um through these etfs and it's a huge huge wave and in fact at the risk management conference that was in austin um that SIBO put on last month the um there was a whole panel on basically how etfs are just basically elbowing mutual funds out of the business. Uh, there's a lot of advantages to ETFs structurally, but also customers, especially the, the younger generation of traders, prefers ETFs, right? Mutual funds were what you put in your 401k and, and your parents used, and ETFs now are much more active. Um, and you know, and, and then from from what's funny is is from an option standpoint, you can actually trade options on on uh, most of these ETFs. Oh yeah. And so even if an ETF has options in it, you can trade options on that, which is kind of mind blowing. But there's one I was looking at that um that actually trades zero day contracts or one day contracts. So that this is the the last little wave is is what we're seeing because the zero day. Um, activity is really, you know, fits a lot of people's goals. You see now ETFs that are designed specifically to use zero-day options. So one of them I was is um, uh, the two of them I think are, are out by a, a group called Defiance ETFs, and basically is one that buys that puts the the assets go into treasuries, and then they sell a daily put uh, every day, and. Gee. And like you first, you think about that. You're like, you know, and, and actually, you start to wonder, like, oh, I remember when you know Tvix blew up, and so like some of those volatility products in volume, Volmageddon in 2018. But the truth is, I'm very comfortable with that kind of a trade because it's a fully secured, cash secured put. They actually have some yield because they're buying treasuries, and it's not a substitute for an equity position. It's got it's got the same downside as an equity position, but you know, guess what happens if the market just kind of goes sideways or goes down a little? You know, they, they perform really, really well. Some of them are have, you know, a, a dividend yield that's more than 50%. And, you know, you have to be, you have to, you know, you do want to understand what's in these products. Um, but I mean, it's funny, we can actually see the trades print. So, you know, if, if the strategy says, well, this is what we're going to do, we're going to buy treasuries and sell a daily put at the end of every day, um, 
you can figure out what strike they're they're targeting and then you see the print and you know i i saw one yesterday they sold an 81 dollar um put in uh in ndx and that it, it just goes right into the ctf jeez that's crazy yeah they're very cool interesting yeah i'm i'm going to have to you know <laughs> monitor that heading into 2024 which does lead us to kind of wrap up here what is top of mind for you heading into a, a calendar year? You know, you you proved awfully prophetic last December talking about zero DTE. What's not predictions, but just yeah. what are you keeping an eye on? That's funny. So, so I, I told you I do these these industry presentations. There's one where at the very the very last slide is a is a is a picture of Zoltar from you know the, the fortune teller from. Mm-hmm. Uh, from oh, yeah. big and um uh and i put in that slide kind of everything that i think is really interesting that's going on i mean the the a couple of the big things you know the extended hours trading uh you know spx currently trades almost almost the entire night long so market closes at you know, stock market closes at four uh the the you know typically etfs and indexes traded till 415 spx basically doesn't stop trading now um there's about an hour or two where it's closed, but uh, it trades straight through till five, and then it picks up again at eight p.m. And this is this is to meet the needs of you know some overseas traders, but you know we continue to see more and more action in there. It's it's that's that's good for about sixty or seventy thousand contracts at night, um, and I think you know and, and that there's been a trend there. I think I think Robinhood uh, announced twenty four hour stock trading earlier this year mm-hmm. uh, and some other brokers are trying to do the same thing. And, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of coming up with different ways to, to make that possible. And I think that, I think retail traders need to be very, very careful about liquidity and bid offer and, and the prices that they're really paying because it may not be nearly as, as efficient it is, as it is during the day, but it also just let you, you know, it's, it's the world, the, the industry is competing with the crypto world, which is 24. I made a little crypto trade this weekend, right on. It's like Sunday. It's oh, like, wow. you know what, because I wanted to, and it was, there's no difference between a Sunday and a Monday if, if, in the crypto world. So um, the extended hours, I think, is really interesting. Um, the, um, you know, SIBO's working on some cool initiatives to make some of these structures that people trade, um, things like boxes, right, which is kind of a, an interest rate trade, almost like a bond, but it can be traded in, uh, in SPX options. Um, we're, we're working to make those things basically you know, tradable as a unit. And I think that's what you're going to start to see. You know, complex orders are a big piece of the business, right? And this this old-fashioned method of like, okay, well, I want to trade this butterfly, right? Well, this butterfly is made up of three different strikes and, you know, one by two by one. But the truth is, is like abstract from it, you know, you don't need those three options to trade that structure. You and I can just talk about that structure and trade it back and forth all day long, right? So, you know, the the evolution in the industry and tools that are making complex orders easier to trade, easier to keep track of, um, I think is I think there's some real interesting uh, potential there. So um, and then I don't know. I mean, it, it's a slightly funky niche, but flex options, uh, which have been around for 15 years, uh, but continue to see action. Flex options are simply options that are that are tradable in the market 
but they're not quoted on the screens, and, but, you, but a, a trader can pick the expiration date and the strike, and even the expiration style, so American or European. For index options, they can even get a little bit exotic, like clique and Asian, Asian um, calculation. But we continue to see that business grow and grow and grow because these buffered ETFs that I mentioned, right, where it's like, okay, if you buy this, this ETF on January you know, 3rd, the first trading of the year, we guarantee you're not going to lose more than 8% of your, of your value because it comes with a put that struck 8% out of the money. The put they tend to use is a flex put because that gets them the exact 8% strike rather than trying to pick a, a, you know, a listed option that's got the closest possible strike. So um, I think there's a, there's a lot of potential for flex. Like flex options could be anything you want. If you want half, if you want 25 cent strikes in Apple, you know, you can trade an option with a 25 cent strike in Apple, not listed, but you can trade it flex. And so there's work going into making those flexes easier to trade, easier to see, um, more accessible for market participants. I don't think currently you can't really trade them anywhere retail. Um, although I think somebody from Fidelity told me that they will take flex orders over the phone for, for big enough accounts. So, but that's kind of a natural evolution because, you know, we went to zero day. We went from every, for every third Friday to every Friday to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Now we have zero day. Um, those don't exist for all products, right? That's, you know, typically uh, SVX, SPY, NASDAQ, Qs, the, the big index products or the big index ETFs. Um, but flex options you know, really let you trade short dated options if you need to or if you want to for anything, for any any listed, um, any anything that has options on it. And that's, you know, 6,000 products. Yeah, I think the, this is not a word, but the ubiquitization of the options market is going to continue to evolve. I mean, these are, you know, these things are here to stay and it's only going to get more, not prevalent, but like more customizable. Yeah. And I mean, customers are getting more comfortable with the product. You know, there were, there was, there were many decades where, um, you know, the, the brokers were a little bit afraid of derivatives. And, um, you know, I, I remember when I started in the business, I told my dad the, the job offer I had was from an option market making firm. And he said, oh, that's all just gambling. You don't want to go do that. <laughs> and um, the, you know, the, the kind of the, you know, people thinking about probabilistic trading. I, I was at a lucky enough to be at a conference last week where um, Tom Sosnoff gave a talk and he said, you know, this is just evolution, and 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 you know what supercharges it is interest rates being, um, you know, being at a five six percent. Very good uh, point. You know, Very because because you can't. He basically said, you know, a passive investment style works fine when the interest rates are zero and you don't really have anything else to do with your money. But you know, now the, the interest rates being uh, higher make people uh, people have an alternative to something to do with their money that'll have yield. And it changes the equation. It really shakes things up. And it hasn't, you know, we haven't had interest rates uh, up here, you know, in, for most people's careers. Mm-hmm. It's almost an internization. I'm using isations for everything here. I need to stop that. But it's an internization of, of the options market where, you know, it's, it's the internet. You can find and do and be whatever you want. You can create anything. And the options market is following that trend. And I, I, I mean, 
I want you to finish with like where can if someone is interest their interest is peaked do they want to learn more um give us a couple of links here because I, I know what they are but i want listeners to follow the same path that i have of learning about this so where can someone go to learn more sure so i mean cbo.com is a great resource we have you know cbo's got uh, a lot of research on listed products, a lot of guides. Uh, if you go to the cbo.com slash RMA, which is risk and market analytics, that's my department. We have data services. We have pro, we have platforms. Um, we have a lot there to help people basically use the market. And, you know, I mean, and we talked about tools before. I mean, the, the quality of the tools, uh, you know, ours and also what what is out there by some of the brokers is spectacular. And you do have to take the time to learn it. Um, I'm a huge fan of podcasts myself. So um, I'm listening. I think I've got probably 14 podcasts on my, on my list, uh, including yours. And wow. um, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's an enormous amount of, of, uh, great content out there. I mean, the Options Insider, uh, they put out good content. They put out a lot of content. I'm on some of it. Um, but just, it takes the time to understand these markets. Uh, don't rush into anything. And, um, you know, take advantage of the tools, you know, whether it's paper trading or some of the small products. I mean, there's a, Cibo has an index called XSP, which is just the SPX divided by 10. And um, it's, a, it's a little bit easier to bite off, you know, than, than a $4,400 SPX underlying it's a $440 which is which is you know super duper close to spy um but it because it's actually uh and I, I don't say this just because I work at SIBO I've been in the industry for 30 years I started out trading index options and cash sell index options are much simpler when it comes to uh kind of the you know expiration uh dynamics and the settlement it's really just a contract that expires into a number and results in a cash payment. Period. It's a little bit more. You know, there are there are some, there can be some some dicey parts for physically settled options if they're held into maturity and the market's whipping around. And um, the index options are a great place to start. Uh, there's also tax advantages for uh, for some uh, traders. Don't take my my advice consult a tax professional but um nice. but index options are also very very um advantageous for that absolutely couldn't agree more henry i'll get you out of here zero dte not just a phase folks <laughs> get involved get educated because it's, it's going to be some exciting time coming up in the options market uh thanks again for coming on and uh happy to chat with you anytime about this awesome yeah thank you for the time Thank you.